Welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. Yes, yes we do. Even in COVID-19 2020, we have choices. And so we should take a breath, be in our bodies, be mindful, and, and exercise those choices. And we are so excited to have as our first guest uh, John Curl, who has a new novel out. Um, I believe this is your first or not? It's actually my second novel. Your second novel. What's your first novel? It's called The uh, the Co-op Conspiracy. The Co-op. It was put out about, about uh, seven or eight years ago. Okay, well, yeah, it was totally time for a new one. And so this new one is called The Outlaws of Maroon. And what I really like about about that title is talking about the Maroons, and I don't know if Maroons have to do with those um, Africans that didn't want to be enslaved, and so they escaped and went into the swamps and into the mountains, depending on what geography in the Western Hemisphere they were a part of. Um, so I was wondering, um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, this book and, and how it came about. And before we do that, I want to let our audience know a little bit about you. You are the author of two novels, duh, <laughs> a memoir, history, poetry, and translations of ancient Maya, Aztec, and uh, how do you pronounce that? Quechua? Quechua. Quechua Poets. Ah, wow. You have a degree in literature from New York City College, and you're a member of Penn Oakland and the San Francisco Revolutionary Poets Brigade. Oh, nice. And you've been a professional woodworker, and you reside in the San Francisco Bay Area. And and I met you um, as a contributor to Words Upon the Waters, a poetic response to Hurricane Katrina by Bay Area writers and artists, and the last time I saw you was at a fundraising uh, reading because we would always um, have a report back for maybe, I don't know, not 10 years after the storm, but at least six or seven. And and one of those readings was at this really lovely bookstore in North Oakland. And um, do you recall the name of that bookstore? It was really nice. It's right there on Alcatraz and Adeline. 
Oh yeah, um, uh, you know, it, I'm just, it's not jumping into my mind, but I, you know, that's that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really lovely, and and in our collection, uh, Words Upon the Waters, um, you have this really lovely poem, "Our Lives on a Summer Breeze," and it's, you know, it just became spring last last Thursday, um, March nineteenth. But this poem is so lovely. Do you mind if I share it with our audience? Oh no, go ahead. Go right ahead. Okay. Our lives upon our lives on the summer breeze. We have nothing but our hands. Some fifty thousand refugees stream out, the report states, independently confirmed. Rocket propelled grenades punch holes in all the barn roofs, looting rampages along Main Street, no food or medicine getting through. She picks up the baby. Cluster bomb explodes. You prick yourself on a thorn. Your lover is lying to you. One drop of blood sits on your fingertip. A huge antlered stag silhouettes for an instant against the night sky, rebuilding shattered dreams. And that's on page 71. Yeah. So I interrupted you with myself. Oh, thank you, Wanda. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. This is so lovely. Um, Tell us about the poem, maybe, and then tell us about this second novel. Well, the the, the poem, uh, uh, I, I write in various different styles. I, I you know, I, I do. I'm, I'm a poet. I do fiction. I write history. I write all kinds of different things. But um, uh, uh, the 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 poem that you that you read. Uh, it, it, it's, it's written in one, one style that I write poetry in, which is gathering uh, energy from different types of energy, from uh, these different images. These, uh, uh, they, 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 contain, uh, they contain emotional content, and they contain uh, 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 Im- Im- imagistic content. And so, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, 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 treat a, I treat words and poetry, uh, to, to some extent, as if there as if there are different forms of energy that can be transformed. And uh, I, my one of the basic things that I do in my writing is uh, is attempt to transform negative energy into positive energy. So uh, a lot of my writing and and you know there are things in this where I'll take a difficult or painful things and also very very beautiful things. And try to use the, uh, the the power of poetry and the power of words to take uh, very negative and very dark things and uh, uh, destructive things and turn them into uh, uh, useful, healthy things that, that we can uh, that we can use in our lives to uh, you know to to give us uh, strength and to and, and to give us uh, hope. Oh wow, that's really really um, that's really beautiful um, to take energy like as as the starting point, you know, of of the creative process. Ah, uh, wow. And and this particular poem, um, it it has such such current resonance, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. Would 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 you you know, having having said that, would you like me to read another poem and that could kind of you know, the context of uh of what I'm trying to do in in a, in a lot of my poetry. A lot of my poetry and a lot of my writing is really about that is to uh you know, is to um, uh, is to transform negative energies into positive energies. Sure. We could Let me that. read these other poems, and then and, and uh, 
you can, I think you can kind of uh, see the uh, the way the the, the images and the uh, the ideas uh, move in the poem to uh, transform it. This this poem is called "The Lake of Our Emergence." What is a word? A meaningful vibration. In the beginning was the word, and the word was creation. Rock, air, fire, water, oak leaves, ocean waves, tropical jungles, oscillates, gasps of ecstasy, groans of love. We look into each other's eyes as we pass in the street. We don't say a word, but we understand the meaningful vibrations beyond words or before words, both before and beyond words at the same time. All living things, all non-living things, music, waterfalls, on this planet and beyond, flocks of small birds in the early morning, crickets at dusk, the gurgle of a baby, the voices in a singing brook. What are words? Meaningful vibrations. In the beginning was the word, and the word was creation. We walk these slippery banks along the lake of our emergence, the center pole of our forest, our muddy port of entry into this world, our origin of place, our place of origin. We step from the lake into the place we belong. Only briefly do we walk here today, learning how to be indigenous. These restless streets we pace, where our unborn great-grandchildren play, Breezes blow wavelets rolling toward the far shore, while around us hushed fields of poppies grow, and beneath our feet rocks melt and caverns of magma flow. The uniforms, face shields, nightsticks, separating brother from daughter, sister from mother, do not separate illusion from delusion. All truth is recreated each morning when a small bird peeks out of a nest hidden in a lilac bush by the water's edge. To be able to walk here since the world began is a gift of inexpressible joy. Who gets to claim this wild, watery homeland as their own? Who gets to call it home? Every place is the center of the world, and everywhere is our place of origin. Oh, wow. That's really beautiful. So these are like poems. A lot, I do a lot of poems like, like this, a lot of poetry, where it's kind of a, it's, it's ideas embodied in, in images and also in, a, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, the melody of music, the, uh, um, uh, the, the, the music of, 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 of words. And then I try to, uh, you know, try to transform those uh, that, that that music from a, a from a, a music expressing uh, dark and difficult uh, emotions and, and realities to, uh, you know, to something that's that's, that's lighter that can, you know, it, it can give us uh, strength and health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Have you um, written all of your life? Yes, since I was very little, I, I've been writing, and uh, uh, you know, I was once, uh, you know, when, when I was 
I don't remember exactly what grade it was in, but, uh, you know, just from some school assignments, from writing different things. But one t- teacher told me that I guess I had written some, some you know, some poetry for uh, for some school assignments. So she she said, uh, she said, oh, she took me aside. And she said, John, hey, you, you know, you're you're really good at this. You're a poet. You know, you should keep on doing it. So, you know, we just somebody told me this is something I could do. It was probably the first time somebody told me I could really do something well. And, uh, you know, it just uh, stuck with me. And then also because I, you know, I came from a family that didn't have a lot of money, you know, you don't need much to to be a poet. You know, you, know, you just need a paper and pencil, you know, it's, uh, uh, or you can even just make it up in your head. So you don't. Um, so as, as, a, as someone who didn't have a lot of resources, it was really something to uh, to fall back on, just just the uh, the uh, the ability to uh, to use uh, words to, um, you know, to make my way through life. Mm hmm. Right, yeah. And then the um you know, being a woodworker, um, uh, you know, that that tactile, you know, pins and, you know, poetry has this tactile sense, even though it's, you know, cerebral and emotional. And I was just wondering, so what about the woodwork? How does that come in? Because that's creative as well. Yes, I really love doing woodworking, but I, I did it as, as a living. It was a, it was always a, oh. you know, with, with okay. poetry or writing. Uh, I didn't start out as a woodworker. I, 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 I had, a, well, I became a woodworker. I had, I was living in a, a in New Mexico, and I had a job on the Navajo reservation. But I didn't, uh, I, I, I didn't like uh, being uh, the representative of the government. It just was not an identity that I could deal with. So I, I, I quit the. Uh, the uh, the job that I had it was like a, a kind of a social worker, kind of pr- providing services for for native people on the reservation. So I quit that, and I just got a job in a sweatshop. It was like a factory, a cabinet factory, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I I learned a little bit about woodworking there. And then when I uh, came to the Bay Area, I got connected with a cooperative wood shop, and uh, I just kind of started doing woodworking there. And I really really liked it because it, it was different, a different part of my brain. I could work with my hands. And also mm-hmm. woodworking is kind of a collaborative thing because I would have jobs and somebody would say, well, okay, build me a table or build me, you know, uh, build me some kitchen cabinets or something. And uh, so it was, it was very creative. And it also taught me structure. I, 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 mm-hmm. I learned uh, my, my writing before uh, I did woodworking really didn't have a lot of structure to it. It was much more, you know, we just went off in every direction. But in, in, doing, uh, in doing woodworking, you're doing something creative, but it also has to have a structure to it. The if it's a cabinet, the door has to open. If it's a table, it has to, uh, you know, has to sit on the floor. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it, it re- relates to uh, uh, natural laws and it relates to gravity. It relates to the nature of wood. And uh, so what I, that's what I learned from woodworking. I also learned that I could work with my hands and leave my different parts of my, of my mind uh, free and uh, uh, so I could do um, uh, writing in the evening. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't exhausting. It was just... You know, it was, it was very refreshing to do. Uh, to use a different part of my brain for that. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that's pretty neat. Did you um, develop any new structures for your poetry? Anything you know that's unique? Um, not necessarily your process around you know the energies that you mentioned, but the way the poem sits on the page, the way that uh, it's structured. Is that something? Like, does it have a name? Um, <laughs> um, and well, the way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not really, because I'm not like a, 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 an historian, so I, or you know, or, or or 
uh, a critic, so I don't really know what, that much what other people are doing. I know like most most of the poetry that I that I do in the Bay Area. Uh, when I came to the Bay Area, the Bay Area is a very uh, oral. Like when when I you know, when you go to school, you know, poetry was a lot of it was something you read on a page. But but mm-hmm. here I got connected with people where poetry was oral, where you listened to it, and that that had its primary. So that kind of transformed that, so that my poetry uh, now it has an existence on a, on a printed page, but its primary existence is as or is words vibrating in the air and going to, into people's uh, ears. Through that way. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And and I presume um, the uh, the translations of ancient um, indigenous um, poets um, comes from your work um, in New Mexico, meeting this community. Or the work it started there. I, I learned the Navajo language a little bit by by uh, by being a, a, a social worker there. You know, not not really a, a deep understanding of the language, but but enough to go to a to a, you know to kind of joke around a little bit in uh, in Navajo to kind of break the ice to people. So I kind of learned. Uh, I got interested in the native languages there. I, I had a in school. I had studied uh, you know European some European languages, and I uh, spent some time in France uh, uh, going to school there. So I could learn French, and I knew Spanish somewhat. But then I got interested in, uh, in uh, native languages. So when I when I got interested in native languages, I, I immediately started to go back to the the the, uh, the earliest things. That's kind of like um, uh, I, you know, it's kind of an interest of mine to, uh, you know, to uh, uh, to find um, you know kind of the roots of things, the the deepest parts. So I went. I found the cl- classical literature among the Aztecs, among the Incas. And uh, uh, and among the, the the Mayan Indians, it is kind of right right after the Spanish conquest. Uh, a, a lot of the uh, the the earliest uh, people, the, well, these Franciscan friars, they took the they took the they took kids and they taught them how to read and write in, in their own languages. So they, they wrote down a lot of their poetry. They so we have, so we have this like uh, it's, it's written in in in, in uh, you know using Spanish letters, but it, but it's the uh, but it's the it's the poetry and some of the literature that the native people had before the the Europeans uh, arrived there. So that was kind of you know it's kind of an entryway into uh, into this pre uh, you know pre European America, uh, pre European conquest America. So I have so I wrote this book about uh, ancient ancient it's called Ancient American uh, Poets, and it, and it has poets from uh, be, be, some of the very very earliest uh, poetry. So it's kind of like the uh, you know the kind of the basic of uh, the basis of, uh, of of these poetic traditions. And I, uh, so that's what I got into. Oh wow! We'll have to have you on to share more about um, those ancient American poets. That's a great story. Um, so tell us about Outlaws of Maroon um, and how you came to write this second novel. Okay, the Outlaws of Maroon. Okay, I was sitting at my desk uh, writing something else. And I just had this uh, vision, just kind of out of the, out of the sky, of, of something that happened when I was a, a kid, a little kid. Um, I, I grew up uh, at, at the end, of, after World War II, is it kind of my world of my childhood, which was, you know, we kind of known as the McCarthy era. When, uh, you know, the uh, all of a sudden, the um, you know, the during World War II, it had been, you know, the United States and the Soviet Union had been uh, had been allies and. Together they defeated uh, the Nazis and they uh, and then fascism, 
and uh, uh, but then uh, you know as soon as World War II was over, things flipped on, on their head, and then and the Cold War started. So all of a sudden, the Soviet Union was no longer our our, our ally, but uh, but our enemy. And uh, in in the schools, there was this everything kind of got frozen. Got there was a chill, and uh, uh, they were looking for uh, what they called subversives. They were they were afraid of. Uh, um, you know, I don't think it was so much the the actual Soviet Union, but what that really scared them. But but the ideology that uh, that it was based on, which is kind of a you know kind of a socialist uh, social justice ideas. You know, whether they whether they actually implemented those ideas in the in the Soviet Union is a different story. But it's based upon ideas of you know of, of revolution, of uh, liberation, of uh, of social justice. And uh, the 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 people people here were very afraid. Of, in the, in the, the they were afraid of the unions. They were afraid of the of, of working class people. And so this uh, this this kind of cold war, this this uh, cold war at home, uh, which came became known as the McCarthy era due to a, a senator who was kind of uh, you know searching searching for uh, try try. He was, this was like the first wave. Of, uh, of populist demagogues. He was a demagogue who had a. Uh, uh, he, he he started his career by waving uh, a piece of paper in the, in front of uh, early TV cameras, saying he had a list of uh, uh, of, of two hundred uh, subversives in the United States State Department. Well, it was it was just his imagination. It was just a. There was nothing there, uh, you know, in in the similar way that uh, that that a lot of things that. That Trump and uh, you know those people are doing today, and uh, so, but but have created a scare. So so in the in the uh, peop, in, in the schools, everybody the, the teachers were afraid to say anything. They were afraid you know there was no uh, there there was very little uh, discussion about anything. You know you were kind of uh, you know you you were given what I what were the acceptable ideas, and uh, in in my home my 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 grandfather was a union guy. And it was kind of a leftist union, and they were, you know, they they were very uh, afraid of what was uh, going on. And that was, and as kids, we were, uh, um, my me and myself and my friends, we kind of created an alternative world. We we found a, uh, uh, we found kind of a park where we could just uh, uh, run away and hide and and play. And then we found uh, in the park, we found that there was a uh, uh, an entranceway. Into the uh, into the basement of one of the apartment buildings, where we could uh, get under the foundation, and we created a clubhouse there, where we created our own world, kind of an alternative world to uh, to the world which uh, which we were really felt oppressed in. So we were kind of creating our own a liberated world, and this is to some extent where the uh, where the idea of, of uh, uh, where maroon comes from. Um, you know, the, the, the actually the 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 maroons that you that you mentioned earlier they don't actually come into the book you know it's never mentioned the connection between uh between maroon and and the uh and the uh, the maroons uh but it it is kind of the basic idea of uh of uh, uh the I mean, the maroon, maroons weren't only here in the in the in the in the south in florida and the uh and 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 in latin america you know, uh, uh, people who, people who were who had been enslaved, or in many places, in, in Brazil was another big place. They in, in Jamaica, they uh, they ran away, they escaped, and they created their own little uh, societies in the uh, 
in the swamps and in the mountains and, and in isolated places. So, uh, and, um, uh, and, uh, and actually in, in, in Brazil, they were, uh, the, the army came after them. The, the army came after them in a lot of places. So that's kind of the, uh, um, that's the, the idea behind the ideas. But here it is a bunch of kids, uh, four, four, uh, fourth graders, kids nine and ten years old, uh, creating their own world uh, against the, uh, the, the world that is, uh, that is oppressing them. And uh, that's and then, and then the, the the Cold War takes place in the school as the school as the as the Cold War is uh, is descending on the school and and uh, creating a, a terrible situation a very oppressive situation in the school the 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 kids are creating their own uh, liberated world uh, in this uh, in this clubhouse they have under the foundations of a, of a building just a few blocks away. And, uh, uh, and and it comes into conflict. These two worlds come into very very uh, extreme conflict, and uh, uh, the uh, the kids uh, have to learn how to uh, use their ingenuity against overwhelming force from the world, and how to uh, uh, how to become successful, how to uh, how to in in, in certain ways uh, defeat to defeat the uh, the the monster and come out the other side. So that's kind of the 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 basis of the uh, of of the book and its connection to uh, to the uh, the historical uh, maroons. Mm, uh-huh. <laughs> Quite an adventure. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you on to talk more about about the book and so that you can maybe share something from the book. But tell us about that near death experience that also plays a role in in this book's publication and writing. Well, I had a, a um, I was having a heart problem with a, uh, uh, they I, they put in a pacemaker. Uh, it's it's a, uh, it's like a little computer that they kind of put in you. It's, it's not like um, a heart attack kind of thing uh, where you have clogged arteries, but it's but it's where the little part of your computer of your heart which gives the orders to the uh, to the other to the heart to to beat was not working correctly. So they. So they put this uh, this little computer into me, into my uh, chest, and uh, sent me home. And uh, and then it wasn't working, so I so I had to, you know, a few hours later, I had to come back into the hot, into the emergency room. And the uh, uh, they the um, uh, the technician had this, you know, electronic box, and they uh, they they were going to do a test on me. So they did a test, and so they. Uh, but the what was not working? You know, your heart has two chambers: the upper chamber and the lower chamber. What was not working on my heart was the lower chamber. So, uh, but they said, as they went into this test, well, you, you've got uh, um, usually it's around 30% that your heart is uh, is, is is working, and so we're going to tu- we're going to turn off we're going to turn off the upper chamber and uh, see what how much you actually have working in your lower chamber. So they, she, she, she flipped the switch, and everything went black with me, uh, you know. And I, I like went into this dream world. I kind of went into, into this black tunnel and came out the other side. There was like a light on the other side, and I was kind of just in this dream world. It was like a, a place where, uh, you know, there were like rolling green hills and a blue sky, and I was just standing there looking around, you know, kind of just wondering where I was, and then. Uh, I felt these kind of shocks, and I you know, it was pulled backwards, back into this tunnel again, back into this blackness. And I, 
opened my eyes, and I was back in the emergency room again. I said, well, where was I? And they said, well, uh, uh, you know, you had zero in your lower chamber. So then when we, uh, when we turned off your upper, the upper chamber of your heart, you flatlined for 10 seconds. It was like uh, I was dead for 10 seconds. And they uh, uh, and she 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 mechanically shut me back on. I would if if she if if she would have let me go on longer than that, uh, I would have had brain damage and I would have died. So then they, so then after that they took me upstairs and they uh, they I, I don't have time to go through a whole thing, but they had they 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 were re- putting in a, they were trying to fix my uh, my pacemaker. And they have this. Uh, uh, you, you, it's like being in a dentist chair. You're not. You're not put out totally. You're, you're totally aware of what's going on with, with a sheet, mm-hmm. just a sheet over my head, and I'm listening to everything that goes on in the room. And uh, uh, I'll give you the short version of the story. That um, uh, they tried all different things, and uh, it wasn't working. They tr- they tried. They 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 moved the thing around, and they they couldn't figure out why why isn't this working? And then what the the and okay, I I was starting to think now I'm real now I really am going to die. I, I I almost died before. Now this is the real thing. And then my doctor, my cardiologist said he kind of gave up. He said, uh, hey, he t- there were like maybe ten or fifteen people in the room, technologists. Said, Does anybody have any ideas? The the, the cardiologist had run out of ideas. <laughs> And oh my goodness! So finally, somebody said, "Well, why don't you just try the the lead wire? It's just a little, just a, a little wire, like a, like plugging in your, uh, uh, plugging in your um uh, your your phone in the uh, you know on the electrical outlet." So it was like the simplest. They they tried that, and that was that was right. But in the interim, I had kind of given up. I decided I was I was dead. I was really dead. I, I surrendered. When when he said, uh, when when he when he when he asked anybody in the room, does anybody have any ideas? I just this is the last, this is the last minutes of my life, and so I totally gave up and surrendered, and then I came back, and then I while I was doing that, I was thinking I was giving up everything. I have I, I'm not going to be able to get up tomorrow morning, and so one of the things I had to give up was finishing this novel. So when oh. I I gave up finishing this novel when I when I surrendered, I just gave it up, and then when I had a new release on life. I, I came back and I said, "Okay, well, I'm not going to finish this." And so I, I you know, I, I finished it, and it was, uh, um, you know, it was really uh, important to me to uh, uh, just to get to get it out. And I kind of felt like that was one of one of the things that I was brought back for was to uh, right. uh, finish a few things. And this novel was one of the things that I needed to finish. Oh wow! What a lovely story! Wow! Wow! How can people? Um get copies of your book. I know it's also an audio book. You read it. So why don't you give people um, your website and let people know how they can get the book so we can all be all ready for our next conversation with you where we can talk more in detail about um, about your wonderful work, um, The Outlaws of Maroon. If you go to my website, it's johncurl.net, J-O-H-N-C-U-R-L dot N-E-T, uh, you, if you just want to read it online, you can read it online or download a PDF file. You can download a file of the book and read it that way. It, it has a, there is a, a an audio book there online. You can do that all that for free. And you can also go to the usual places uh, uh, like Amazon or, or wherever you buy books, and you can buy a copy of the book also. 
Okay, cool. Super, super. Wow. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. And again, uh, it's not going to be the last time. And it was really, really wonderful talking to you and uh, listening to some of your work and and hearing this great story um, about, you know, um, you know your your second life, so to speak, right? <laughs> yes. You came back. Yeah, yeah. I'm, wow, I'm back. Awesome. So thank you so much for having me on, Wanda. <laughs> Oh, you're quite welcome. You take good care. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. Good morning, Deborah. How are you? Oh, good morning, Wanda. I'm all right. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, wow, this this new book That's of yours. It's an incredible story uh, about technology, huh? <laughs> totally, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and how much choice we have, right? I mean, you know, it wasn't time for him to go, for John to go, and and so making that decision, you know, people think that, you know, in the end, there's no negotiation. You can negotiate all the way to the end. (laughs) So that's good to know. That's very good to know. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So your new collection is called Caliphia's Daughter, and you are Caliphia's daughter. She would love this book. And uh, yeah, this your press release is so well written, um, and I just love what Tony Asante Lightfoot says about your 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 book. She's the host of Gwendolyn Brooks Open Mic Awards. Where's that at? Uh, she's out of Chicago. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. yeah. What she writes is so lovely. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it and then I'm gonna read your bio. We can just dive right in. Um, This is a book of wisdom and whimsy of mythology sprinkled with stardust. Every poem is a journey into a new desire fleshed out of history's nightmares and our ancestors' dreams. This is a Devorah Major Arcana. Those who read tarot will know the power of arcana, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, holds and how they govern. These poems rule a space between history and sea, relativity and dark matters, wombs and weaponry. I will pass these poems around at parties like hors d'oeuvres and tightly rolled joints, some because they are delicious, others because they alter the state of consciousness. Major is a free woman who wrote her own freedom papers in her own blood not beholden to some dead and despised rule book of shoulda and should nots. These poems speak a truth through art without the artifice of linguistic filigree in service of valueless pedigree. Let these poems wash over you like sea foam and angels' whispers. They are light and prickly and sweet and sacred. Savor and inhale them all. End of quote. Isn't that is so beautiful? Oh my goodness! Oh yeah, I was really, really <laughs> humbled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, you are a California-born granddaughter of immigrants, documented and undocumented, who works as a writer, editor, writing coach, spoken word performer, recording artist, and poetry professor. The poet in residence of the Fine Arts Museums of San Francisco. Major has toured internationally in places such as northern and southern Italy, Bosnia, Jamaica, Venezuela, Belgium, England, and Wales. 
and throughout the United States, both performing your poetry and serving on panels speaking on African-American poetry, beat poetry, and poetry of resistance. In In 2015, you premiered your play, Classic Black, Voices of 19th Century African Americans in San Francisco at the San Francisco International Arts Festival. So again, welcome to the show. So tell us about Calicia's daughter. Uh, okay, well, I was just really, uh, many years ago, I was a poet resident at the uh, San Francisco Historical and Cultural Society, which mm-hmm. uh, still exists, which is kind of great. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, how old is it? You know. <laughs> Uh, well over fifty years. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know exactly. Located, are they still located yeah, in the African African American Art and Culture Complex on Fulton? Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. On mm-hmm. the I think the second floor. But anyway, right. uh, uh, so I found a thing on Califia and the fact that uh, Cortez was reading this book called The Adventures of Esplandian. And in it, and, and it's like by this pulp fiction writer in Spain, who it's unclear if he actually went to Africa, or Africans, of course, have always, you know, come, I mean, since the Moors, been coming over to Spain. But anyway, he found this Africa folktale myth, whatever it was, and he, he wove it into a novel. And in it, he, he described this island that was full of these uh, African, this Amazon women who wore gold and, and uh, uh, they had rocky cliffs and like that. And Cortez came to California and a third of his crew were black. A lot of people don't know how many Africans actually traveled with them. And, and that didn't mean they were enslaved, you know. And, and in fact, the interpreters on his boat were, were black. So he figured they knew the people. And he thought they would be black people. They were stiff, rocky cliffs. And for quite a while, the Spanish thought California was an island. Mm-hmm. And so he named it uh, after this queen. And I just thought, what an interesting idea. And did she exist? And, you know, and, and so I really wanted something that did that. And, and I feel like there's a difference. You know, uh, my friend and I were talking. I, I was born in Berkeley, but I came to San Francisco when I was about two. About, you know, people come to San Francisco and they go, oh, I'm a San Francisco. They come to California. I'm a Californian. It's like, well, no, you've just been here 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. You're you're a transplant. <laughs> Glad you like it here, but you're a transplant, you know. And so I wanted to do something that came out of the experience of California because I feel what one of the things and I was really blessed. My father was actually born in 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 New York uh in Harlem. Uh but he had a just an intense passion for the outdoors. So every time we had a three-day weekend, he would put us in the car and we would go camping. We were like at that time, virtually the only black people out there doing that. But so we were in Big Sur and we were in Clear Lake and we were just all over. And so I really got a sense of the beauty of California too. So I wanted that sense because I think that, 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 that the wildness of the oceans and the, and the oldness of the redwoods and all of that, I think that if you grow up in California, really in California, not just whatever your little city is, you know, or big city, say you're from L.A., but if you actually get up and, and go to the Avenue of the Giants and like that, I think it really shapes who you are in a certain way because it's a very different kind of state than many of the states, than, well, than any of the other states. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Um, I, I think it's because, well, I know it's because we have such um, friendly weather, you know, 
I mean, like now, it's spring yeah. officially, but it's been spring for over a month or so. Um, you know, we, we just have a scattering of rain, and I'm sure that's to do with um, global warming. But even, you know, before it got to be the crisis that it's headed toward, you know, we just we just have this wonderful weather. Like if you live in Southern California, you you know, you can wear your shorts all year round almost, at least, you know, a while not too long ago you could. And so everything is so close. Like we can look out and we can see Mount Tamapayas like, whoa, you know, there there that woman is with her hair falling down, you know, the yep. the, the yep. steep part of the mountain, right? <laughs> According to the mirror. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And you know, the beaches, we got like water all over the place, you know, we can ride our bikes on the bay trail that cr- connects the Bay Area counties. Like we could ride a circle, you know, if you get on BART for some of it. Um I mean it's just gorgeous here. It's really gorgeous. Yeah, you go really place is. like Chicago and it's like they have a winter. Like you can't be hanging out at Lake Michigan in January. Yeah, and they have a serious winter. They don't have a, you know, you know, <laughs> like Atlanta has a winter and it might kind of flurry snow a few days during the winter. But Chicago has a winter with, you know, every letter capitalized, you know. <laughs> and right, yeah, it right. and it and it makes it, it, it I really do think it makes a difference if you live in a place where you have to shovel snow for a few months of the year where you, you know, Mm-hmm. Where, where you you know and yeah California is so open and so uh, beautiful in so many different ways I mean you know with all of our microclimates so you're here and then you're there and then you're the other place and it's just quite incredible so I wanted to try to reflect some of that and do some things that were around nature and then some things that were I tend to be you know very social and political but you know uh, family is political too and I and so I also wanted to kind of maybe be a little bit more personal in terms of those things. You know, I work with Opal, and Opal has said after we had worked together for years and years, and she said, you know, I just realized you don't very often talk about yourself in your poems. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And that was actually true. So I I, I wasn't really putting them out so much, but I was writing them. So So this book was more of me putting more of them out. Oh yeah, I noticed that. Like the lovely poems for your for your children, and the one about Daddy's girl is so awesome. And in the mix of that, you know, you do, and then and then your grandfather and that chair. And I love the poem that's inspired by the quilter who writes. Because I looked, I had to do a little research. Like you make these references, and I like go and find the artist, <laughs> the Nigerian artist yeah. who lives in New York. Right? Like who is this person? <laughs> And look for the spaceship, whatever that you mentioned. <laughs> oh right, that was at the Moad yeah. exhibit in San Francisco that I saw the painting. But yeah. Oh okay okay that was yeah. that was Which the, yeah she lived in New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah so it and then and then you know you have these beautiful poems that are set you know like their their African spirituality but um, you know sort of through the elements I mean through the um, the various um uh seasonal elements like the and also you know like the wind and the water and you know you don't say oh yeah but we know that's who that is right um right yeah or, or other other um other orisha energies and so anyway um yeah it's really 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 lovely and then just the way that you use words are just so gorgeous and then your james brown is like oh my god that is so nice <laughs> um 
Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's just just really beautiful. And and you know, in your poems that you have shared here, I mean, they hit us on so many levels within our senses, you know, like like we can see the images, we can feel the water on our faces and we we wish if we can't do it like that we could scuba dive. <laughs> <laughs> so we can really be down there, you know, with with the other yeah. other life forms, you know, experiencing all this. Yeah, yeah, it's just really beautiful. So, what would you say that this this collection represents? Like, how many years of of, I of work? I really don't know because some of them are, are 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 quite new, like the one in the water that I have almost drowning, and then some of them, oh, like okay. uh, uh, Daddy's Girl, is a lot older, you know. So I was, you know, gathering, and the poem to my daughter is old. And my son, I actually had to uh, adjust to that. But, you know, that, that so they, they really spanned. It's not, um, like I said, some of them are very new, and some of them were were have uh, were seasoned. And I, I certainly did a lot of rewriting and editing because um, I, uh, I can't remember the French uh, poet, but that said poems are never finished, they're simply abandoned. <laughs> and so, you know, I unabandoned some poems and went and redid them or, you know, polished them and scooped them and like that. The Almost Drowning, I was going to read that because you kind of referenced it. I would mm-hmm. really wanted to write a poem of survival, mm-hmm. you know, and you know when you're just, you know, it's like overwhelmed and everything and it's like you're drowning and what do I do? <laughs> Yeah, and I thought that 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 a good metaphor was being in the ocean because when I was a child, in fact, I'm a poor swimmer to this day in part because of that. I got caught in an undertow, mm. and I was young. I don't know how young, but I was young. And uh, somebody pulled me out. And my mother ran over, and my mother was kind of a panicker in her personality, and she just was, you know. But I ended up being fine. And uh, although she wouldn't let me go to the beach to get, get in the water for a long time after that, but that feeling of the water all around me, I think I never lost it, you know? Mm-hmm. But amazingly, I wasn't scared. I was too young to be scared. You know, I wasn't smart enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, almost drowning. One, in the midst of it all, I know I must come up for air or quickly learn to breathe underwater. Two, Cresting ocean above my head, I hold back the gasp and open my mouth, deeply swallow air in one huge gulp before descending again into the salted water to shoot up once more towards the sun, unfold, absorb, lay back, inhale, before descending, before again descending. Three, I dive lower than I can imagine. Looking above, I see a glimmer reflecting below the ocean's choppy surface. I cut the waves, break through for a moment, breathe as I let the waters return me to the shore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wrote that really as a poem of, this is how you survive being overwhelmed. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> come up for mm-hmm. air, come up for air. And the waves will eventually take you in, you know. Don't panic. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, share the one you wrote about the ancestors. That's really lovely. Okay. The creation paradox? Um, it's, it's, I think you know, I was just reading name. them and annotating them last night, so 
I'm not yeah. sure so what I, the title is. We hold <laughs> we hold the great great grandparents of our ancestors' grandparents in our bloodstreams, in our stomachs, in our hearts. Thousands of years rest inside our soul. In those years lives the record of our beginning. It is the sweetest marrow in our spine, the cleanest shine in our eyes, the open side of our laughter. You can read it in the lines on the soles of our feet. When we retell the stories of where we came from, we draw back tree branches to find hidden fruits which we savor, pointed thorns which make us bleed, the yesterdays that led to here, the here that leads to tomorrow. When we go back to the beginning, we find the star. In the beginning, there was a time, we all say, when we were not. After that time, we became. We were created, we were molded, we were spat out, we were sung into until we learned how to make, what to form, where to spit, why to sing. But once, long ago in the beginning, there was only one. And from that one, others were born, and out of those many came us. That is the story we all tell. But before that beginning, before the in the beginning beginning, when we were born, there must have been another beginning. Before the spider crafting web laying 16 eggs, before the mountain birthing lovers birthing children, before the sky settling low to mate with earth, before light, before darkness, before breath even, there must have been another beginning. A beginning that lives in a place we call unknowable. Yet it is braided into our genealogies, and it is in that beginning, the beginning before our beginning, it is there that you must go if you want to find the faces of God. Thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years rest inside our souls. Mm, You know, and and I really do believe in that idea of also genetic memory, you know. Mm -hmm. I think there are ways that we, we, you know, like we were, uh, insofar as as our ancestors were stolen from Africa, yet they were in Africa for thousands of years. So when you look at some of the dances uh, from our generation as teenagers up until now, some of their movements, they're just so African, you know? Mm-hmm. And not because they've necessarily studied African dance. I think there's a way that you just remember it. And I made this stew. I made it up. I made this stew with vegetables and stuff. And a good friend of mine had a baby, and I gave it to her some decades ago. And her husband is Yoruba, which I have a my, – my, uh, my ancestor my, my, uh, from my Bahamian side – was stolen from Africa and became free in her lifetime. So we know a little bit about her. And, uh, but anyway, so I make the stew and he calls me up. He thanks me for, you know, making the stew for, you know, he and, uh, uh, and Alma. And, and he says, but where did you learn to cook an African stew? And I said, I made it up. I don't know where I learned. I don't, I don't cook African. But I really think there's a kind of <laughs> wow, energy we cool. can tap into that we don't even know we're always doing it. That may help us solve a problem or vision something in a different way that is an ancestral memory. It's not just from the now, you know. Uh, I really mm-hmm. don't. I really think that these genes that are passed on and passed on and passed on, they carry something, you know, besides the places where our ancestors come from, besides locations, you know. So I kind of wrote that poem out of that, my understanding. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. 
Yeah. What else would you like to read? Um, you know, because if I if I have my druthers, it's like, well, you could just read your whole book. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one specifically you would like me to read? Oh, I was like everyone. I had notes. I really like the one that you you mentioned that um, you wrote. Um, for your son, that's really beautiful. I like the one you wrote for your daughter too, but I really like the one you wrote for your son. And you also um, um, mentioned uh, Shaka Sankofa because I remember when the state of Texas killed him. I just kept on thinking he was going to get a stay. I was just like so uh, yeah. devastated. It's like what? Like what? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I agree, and 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 that was really what. That that I felt like, you know, there's 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 this unwillingness uh, in America, particularly, to uh, really deal with the idea of redemption. But mm-hmm. young, and it's been shown that young men's brains and impulse control they don't have till their twenties, and so they do sometimes some horrible things. But you know, teach them and give them, you know. A, a difference, and so I really wanted to counter, you know, uh, my son, who's just an incredible young man. I'm just, you know, I'm just so in love with my children as you are, <laughs> you know that. <laughs> that, but, 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 but that idea that, you know, when you when you guide them and you give them love, they have opportunities that other people don't. So, and I didn't want Shaka Sankofa to be forgotten, because I thought he was a worthy young man that, given a chance, would have become more. Anyway, mm-hmm. this is for the record, for my son Iwa and the executed Shaka Sankofo and his brethren, an eye for an eye and we'd all be blind, Gandhi. Mm-hmm. I watched my son move into manhood. The music video slant in last year's step translated to a wider stride that intones his name man of good character. He saunters with more than sinews and bone. My son makes his own air when the oxygen is in short supply. My son is blood of purpose, heart of resolve, lips of laughter. He calculates, computes, splits ideas, delineates, assesses, adds and subtracts, recombines the movements of his days and moves forward. My son has never been beaten until his brain scabbed or trapped in a childhood of bruising injustice. My son was not produced inside frosted crack pipes, seeking a mother constantly disappearing in wisp of acrid smoke. He was not chased into closets, under beds, down dark alleys by large-fisted, black-booted men disguised as fathers or uncles or friends. I watched my son unwrap his future like a child at a first birthday party, tearing apart the colorful paper, getting caught up in the string, not knowing what to play with first. Yet the brighter his glow, the more I see the other boys, these children still who would be men, who pace in chains and shaved heads around a future that makes bowels liquid, bladders weak, and faces contort as they add stars to the tattered flag that shines on this nation's affliction, their arms tied down and filled with vengeance's poison. My son sings his song each night. I listen to the notes that hold inside the cries of these boys who would have been men if given a road, if offered a dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really beautiful. Yeah, I was just very, you know, just really contrasted with, you know, when you just... Mm -hmm. 
give young people what they know, they will grow into wonderful people. It's not some magic recipe, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, oh, what yeah. are the ingredients? What's the secret ingredient, you know? <laughs> Love and guidance and truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and having you know within the love and the guidance, you know, giving the your person space. You know, you need to have some room. You got to be able to move around to practice these, you know, these suggestions for how to be yeah. a person in this particular society. Because some of the things that folks have to learn to do to be able to survive in this system are are sort of they're not intuitive. Because it sort of goes against everything you think about when you think about being a free person, right? Yeah. But you, but yeah. to survive, you have to learn how to do these things. You have to make them a part of your your routine, so to speak, even if it's counter, you know, everything that you feel is correct. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and you have, and I think that that for me, and it's a lesson I am yet to completely learn, but I'm better. Uh, patience, mm-hmm. because, of course, people are young and children. There isn't patience and that lesson. So it's not mm-hmm. about immediate gratification. It's not about I want it and I want it now, you know, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to get people to invest in the journey more than the end point, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, right. makes them able yeah. to journey, because otherwise they don't have the journeying skills, you know. Mhm. Right. Yeah, I really, really like uh, in Clouded Musings on page twenty-five, where you uh, you quote Yoko Ono, Ono, whisper your dream to a cloud, ask the cloud to remember it. And I'm like, oh, I have to do that. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's really you nice. know the thing about that is that I thought about that, and then I was like, because it was so lovely, you know, mm-hmm. it was just yes. such a lovely idea. But then I got really involved, as I sometimes too, about what clouds really are. <laughs> and uh, so, yes. you know, it was like, wait a minute, you know, clouds weigh, you know, 15,000 pounds. They're not quite as, you know, but clouds are heavy with tears and dirt, hovering above smog particulates, briefly carrying seagull feathers, dressed in colors they do not choose, moving only as the wind demands, weighing as much as a hundred elephants let the clouds feed the jade tree whose blossoms which blossoms in gratitude from those kisses let the clouds shelter the squabbling blue jays from the swelter of summer heat and melting tar let the clouds dress the mountaintops in undulating cloths of white and gray now a hat then a cloak let the clouds stay as clouds while my dreams fly always returning to settle in a crevice of my open heart Mm, nice. Yeah. You know, I, I once <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, was on a panel with, uh, I think, Wendy Rose, and she said to, uh, she didn't believe in metaphors and poetry. She thought you should let a thing be what it was. And the mm-hmm. gift of the poet was to describe it pre- precisely as what it was, not as like or as, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think I okay. had that with the cloud. You know, let a cloud be a cloud <laughs> because it's still incredibly incredible you know Mhm. right right yeah wow well I was just going through the book and looking at the things that all the all the poems I really like and I'm like 
you can't you can't read them all because um, we're out of time in a minute. So um, I'll tell you um, sort of the one I I'd like you to read, but I'll I'll, okay. I'll mention to our audience the ones that I haven't already mentioned that um, by by name I mentioned them by what they're about. The denim cutoff, which was on is on page twenty nine. Um, about and you you reference the wonderful quilter um, from G's Den. What's her name? Oh, I don't know if it's not there. I mean, oh, it is. Oh, no, it is there. It is there. I just I, don't I just have. Don't I don't have your book open. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but that's on page twenty-nine, folks. And then chairs, which um, which is about your your grandfather, and and that's on page twenty-eight, and and daddy's girl, which is on page twenty-seven, um, and um, my growing home, which is lovely. That's on page twenty-six. Um, I've got others in other parts of the book, but. I just happened to jot those down. <laughs> and, and which one uh, do you want me to be? I have to find I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not there yet. <laughs> oh. And um, um, being, <laughs> um, well, if you if you think this is a good one, but I think you know, sort of in light of what's happening presently, I I, I really like this one. I'm being uh, an alien in outer space on page 21. I was just thinking oh, that just that's just so African, right? Like we always feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you really. <laughs> yeah, ancient alien theorists say my blood reveals my true origins. That I began in outer space. Perhaps I came from those who speak of ancient kin who looked from African peaks eons ago to a sky that held no moon before the visitors round ship arrived and left their seeds among us. There are so many clues to my origin. My feelings have almost always been an outsider, not quite fitting in anywhere, despite my excellent human form camouflage. My resistance to the idea of borders, my refusal from early childhood to pledging allegiance to one small earth plot when the universe is so inconceivably vast. My carrying a passport, but being without one true homeland. My missing the innate human impulse towards war and domination. My fascination with stars and my conviction that I am a space traveler all point to my existence as alien. I have, in fact, circumvented the sun more than 60 times during my life, always keeping about 93 million miles away, which still doesn't eliminate all sunburns. Sun Ra often spoke of being a Venusian, so I am hardly the first or the only alien. Indeed, the planet is full of aliens, but not all of us know it or care to. <laughs> yeah, that's so lovely. Really resonated with that. Um, yeah, um, uh, our friend uh, Jimmy Evans has a book, uh, has a painting called Dudes from the Other Side of town. No, from outside town, yeah. from the other side of town. Anyway, sort of I saw his painting in my mind <laughs> when um when I when I read that particular poem. So we'll have to have you on again to share some more. Okay. Um Yeah, yeah. Hopefully um maybe maybe next next Friday I'm doing a um a uh National Poetry Month special for two hours. So maybe you could join us. 
Okay, we'll see. Yeah, let me look and, and just double check that I don't have any commitments. But I know I'm okay. mostly here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, Deborah. all by myself. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and thank congratulations on this, love, it's this it. lovely work. And how can people get a copy of it? Um, you know, the book is not officially released until June. Oh, it was really? going to be released in April, but then they pushed back the date, and with all of this going on and everything. Oh, okay. Uh, you know. Okay. So hopefully June will be a more uh, auspicious month than the April date that it was planned on. Okay. All right. And and do you have a website that people can visit to learn more I about do. other it, work it, of yours? I have. A, I yeah. I, they can go to DevoraMajor dot com. I will be actually contributing and updating to it in the next week, but I haven't in the last year because my life was definitely in a tumble and I just didn't have the time to be calm and peaceful, but there's a ton of stuff on it. I have a journey of the tapes, which are all of these interviews that I've uh, uh, transcribed and redacted that I took with my father in the couple of years before he died of his life from being born in the 1920s and just, incredible stuff and some of my poems are up there and some interviews with a few people and like I said I'm starting it up in the next week but if nobody if you haven't been there there's just a lot of a lot a lot of things there okay cool super so why don't you yeah spell it out for people D-E-V like Victor O-R-A-H Devora Major like the key of D major M-H-A-O-R dot com Oh, I like that poem too. The one about black, as in B flat. That's a nice one. I don't oh, remember the name holes. of that one. Black yeah. hole. Yeah, I, I. You know, I'm so glad that I have had the uh, opportunity to work with so many musicians because mm-hmm. they tell me, uh, uh, they tell me things that I wouldn't know, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, that, that, that uh, for example, that black hole singing in the key of B flat, you know, it's like, and the earth, I believe, evolves <laughs> in the key of E flat. You know, it's like everybody has their interests. So insofar as you have a musician who's also interested in astronomy, they know these things. So I didn't right. make it up. <laughs> black oh. hole singing in the key of B flat, hot and swirling, Forming and swallowing stars as they breathe the universe in. You know, not being a musician, I don't have an immediate sound for B flat, but I loved that concept that, you know, that these different, that our different orbs, they make a sound as they whirl, although we don't hear it. Right, yeah, and also that um, black holes are not empty. Um, but we have to go because yeah. I've got, like, all these guests calling in from Africa, from West Africa, from Ghana. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure, and I will definitely be back. Oh, certainly. Remember me to your husband and tell him I said hi. I will. Okay. Okay, thank you. Until next time, Deborah. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So we are going to be joined by the wonderful poets from – uh, from West Oakland to West Africa meets uh, Helicasa in Ghana, West Africa. And I'm just like opening up all these microphones and uh, hopefully folks are with us. Um, so I'll just do like a little roll call. 
Uh, Carla and Sir Black, are you in the studio? Yes, I'm here. Sir Black, are you here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. Cool. Cool. Super excited. You me? And um, and uh, uh, Zakia, are you here? Yes, I'm here. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, and Tyrese, are you with us? Tyrese? I think Tyrese is coming. Tyrese is coming? Okay. So. Oh, <laughs> Who said I me? think Tyrese is coming? Who said that? Hello, Wanda. It's Mimi Gonzalez Barrias. Oh, oh, my gosh. gosh. Mimi, hey, <laughs> Mimi. Oh, my gosh. Hey. <laughs> I'm calling you out from the middle of the state of Michigan where it's 55 degrees, the sun is coming out, and uh, nobody is around. <laughs> <laughs> and Mama Makita, are you with us? Uh, yes, can you hear me? Yep. Mm-hmm. Cecilia, can are you, you with me? us? Can you hear me? Ma- Hello. Who who said can you hear me? This is Mama Makita. There should be somebody else on my other line. Did, did you, can you hear her? Cecilia? Yes. Not not well. Mm-mm. Cecilia, are you with us? Tyrese, are you with us? I am. Okay, right. cool. You just cool, cool. And um, <laughs> um, uh, Marcus, uh, Lorenzo Penn, also Adeshima, are you with us? I am very present. Good morning, everyone. Awesome. Good morning. Good morning. And um, I have checked everyone that I. Was expecting. Oh, uh, Mariska, are you with us? Okay. So if I didn't call you, tell me, tell me um, who I might have missed. The person that you asked to call me, she called me. I added her, then I called you, but I I don't hear her. Yeah, that's Cecilia. You. Yeah. So I'm. Um, can you give me a number? I'll try to call her again. Um, I gave her your number, so I have to do some other things to be able to find her number. Oh, okay. So, okay. yeah. So I'll send it to you when I. It's gonna take a minute. <laughs> I okay. can't do it just All like right. pull it up. Yeah. So I'll, okay. I'll text it to you when I get a moment. So, Carla, why don't you why don't you talk about? From West Oakland to West Africa, you and um, and and Sir Black um, uh, or uh, Ibor Kojo Ibor, um, just talk to us about about this poetry sharing across the water. You know that started in 2017, uh, Carla, and uh, but it even goes back further than that. So why don't you all tell us that story? Okay. Um. I'll start. So I'm super excited to be on the line. Thank you, Wanda, um, for having us all here from 
all the way from Ghana to Texas to California to Oakland, and that was basically the theme of connection, um, Sankofa connecting with our roots as well as bringing the modern African voice, the young voice here to America um, was the goal. So um, basically I met Sir Black in um, Cote d'Ivoire and in Ghana when I was traveling there. Um in 2013 to 2016, and we had this idea of what would happen if we shared our voices across the Atlantic, and so that's how the idea was formed using Renshi poetry, which is a form of poetry in which the poem is sent in a letter form, and then the receiver uses the last line of the sender's poem to respond in poetic form. Um, it's also known as chained poems, which we thought was very um, significant given our history um, and our connection to Africa. So um, we exchanged poem, poems in the form of letter for over a year, and then we traveled to Ghana, uh, 13, 10 poets here from Oakland at the time, went to Ghana where we met up with our partners at Ehala Casa and we had a poetry slam. And I was hoping that uh, Sir Black could talk a little bit about um, also Ehala Casa and their mission. Hello. Hi. Uh, okay, nice. Um, so, um, Ehala Casa actually is a uh, a group of uh, young people, mainly poets and musicians and other forms of the arts in the area of maybe theater or painting. We just believe that as long as you have some form of uh, art in you, you can be a part of this community. So the name itself, Halakasa, was uh, created from three local Ghanaian words, Eha, E-H-A, means song in one of our local languages called Ewe. And then La means sink in another local language called Ga. Then Kasa, K-A-S-A, also means speak or talk, which is also another language from the middle central part of Ghana called Chi or Fancy or Akan. So the combination of these three words more we call Halakasa, and then you will respond, it lives in us. Why do we believe it lives in us? We believe that when a child is born, nobody teaches the child how to cry. Nobody teaches the child how to suck breath. It means that everything is instinctive in every world that makes you unique to be able to express yourself. And this is where we take our inspiration from that we have something in the inside of it to the rest of the world. So this is how Kamehameha came about. And it was also formed in 2007 by myself and a colleague friend who had passed away three years ago. But the spirit of the Halakasa still lives on and we keep on doing what we do, going to schools and do workshops with them, go to communities and share poetry and spoken word with them and also run social and public events and we run festivals and we 
try to do collaborations with cultural institutions and also theater spaces and do work for everyday events, flash mobs. So we've been very busy doing what we can do in our own small way. And that's how come we've still been running and we got in touch with them. I got personally in touch with Carla and were able to get this project on the road. Yeah. Um, thank you. So, Carla, um, I remember um, two years ago to the day today, um, we got together at Mills College. And um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about sort of the form of our meetings and and then maybe we could go around and people could share what drew you to, um, from West Oakland to West Africa, the the project that Carla was working on as as a part of her her MFA at Mills College, and and then maybe we could all go around and share a poem. Um, I was thinking about um, I really like where I'm from <laughs> um, that particular exercise. But anyway, so Carla, uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about the structure of of the. Um, of the workshops and and then uh, and then I don't know if you want to go into the book because we we have a book now and uh, yeah so anyway and you could give the website you and Tyrese and other folks that worked on the the uh, editing and the structure of the of the book and Tyrese you have developed this really wonderful website for the book. Great, um, sure. So briefly. The, after Sir Black and I conceived of this possible poetic exchange using the internet um, as our medium because we had that access, um, I presented, I was offered a um, fellowship at Mills College called the Community Engagement Fellowship. And through this um, kind of support of the college, I was able to have the space um, and the time to be able to see who was interested. And it was a beautiful coming together of mostly black people from all over Oakland and, and, and at Mills and Richmond. And um, it was just like a coming together. We met every week at, uh, West o at Mills College and sometimes at the West Oakland Library, and we wrote poems on themes, and we shared the poems we received from our partners in Ghana. And we talked about current events and tried to authentically connect and learn about, you know, our history, our past, and our ancestors, as well as the present. And that was when the idea of creating a trip uh, came up. Um, and without Sir Black and a Holocausto, we never would have been able to actually do everything we did. So I'm so grateful for that. Um, we met weekly. Our workshops were about an hour long. We wrote, we shared, sometimes we ate. Um, and that went on. We, it was only supposed to be a nine-week project, but it wound up going on for a year. Um, and then finally, we now have a book which kind of documents and chronicles the whole journey and represents poetry from all of the poet partners, even some who did not get to travel to Ghana. So there's 26 poets in the book. It's called Our Spirits Carry Our Voices, and you can get it um, on Amazon.com. 
So, Carla, um, do you want to uh, to share a poem? Um, you are a barrier-based poet, activist, and educator with a passion for social justice. You were born in Berkeley, California, and spent most of your childhood in Hawaii, where you developed a deep love of nature. Um, already mentioned, already mentioned that you are the founder of West Oakland to West Africa Poetry Exchange, um, which facilitated cross-cultural exchange between Oakland and West African poets. You're a board member of Before the Columbus Foundation, which provides recognition and a wider audience for the wealth of culture and ethnic diversity, which constitutes American writing. Your editorial experiences include a Pan-Africanist, uh, woe-to-wah poetry collection, Our Spirits Carry Our Voices, published by Pacific Raven Press in 2020, Oakland Out Loud, 2007, and Words Upon the Waters, 2006, both by Jukebox Press. Your poetry book, Swallowing Watermelons, was published by Ishmael Reed Publishing Company in 2006, and your poetry, short stories, and essays have been widely anthologized anthologized and can be found in Hip Mama, Literary Kitchen, Lotus Press, Bamboo Ridge Press, Vibe and Conch Literary Magazine. And you hold an MA in education from San Francisco State University and an MFA in, from Mills College. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Wanda. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I'll read the um, poem, The Present, which, um, again, I wrote on the theme of the ancestors uh, with Sir Black. So it's called The Present. Um, And I think given how we are locked in uh, during this COVID-19, I just want to acknowledge that, like, it's a really tough time for everyone, and we're all doing our best to cope. So this is sort of a meditative thought, and I'm um, so glad to be able to share it. Uh, the present. I am the present, the gift of the here and now, the love we give in the moment under the shining sun is the gift. When under the mango tree, gentle rain falls, cleansing the dust off tattered leaves. Stand tall, hold your shoulders back. Imagine a light from your head to the sky. Open your throat chakra and listen with your voice. Surround yourself with a shawl of moonbeams. Let butterflies into your soul and be thankful in rainbow colors. Your ancestors gave you life and soon you will become one too. Give back to the community with deeds, not words. May your prayers be grateful. You have so many talents. Open your soul to the ocean of love before you. Sir Black is a spoken word performance artist and workshop facilitator. He is a co-founder of Ella Casa, a spoken word poetry community and director of the annual Ella Casa Festival. He is involved in organizing spoken word poetry events, workshops, and youth development projects in schools and communities in collaboration with local, international, and cultural institutions. Um, Sir Black works across, across painting, sculpture, installation, and spoken word poetry. Using text, sounds, images, and objects, he is interested in exploring the notion of self-examination within three dimensions, then, now, and after. 
His performances are characterized by the use of his body as the object and the ticking of time as subject. He lives and works in Ghana. He's a three-time prize winner in spoken word poetry in Ghana. So again, Sir Black wants to share something with us. Yeah, I have this piece just to continue from where Carla left before you. Okay. Before you was time, hands, space, and movement, and other elements, tangible and intangible. Some for delight and some for disgust. Some lived long and some longed to live. Some came and claimed in the name of pain. Some survived and stayed alive. Some wept and some slept. However, none before you was allowed to allow chance to time, either to appear or disappear in space or in movement, except with the elements of sleep. Now at the end of the beginning, for all those who need it here or there, and those who would not or did not exist, let it be known to all and for them all that it was not about who or what to have passed through here or there, rather time and chance happened, day and night came, life and death passed. Mm. Thank you. Um, so, um, Mama Makita, um, yes. you are a poet, journalist, tutor, counselor, and community activist. You're best known for your work with youth. You developed and served as editor of the South County publication of the Oakland Post. In 2009, you won the Ella Hill Hutch Award for your contribution to journalism. Your work is published in three Alameda County seniors poetry anthologies and a chapbook collection. And you developed the third Saturday open mic and an annual artist retreat, Sugar Water. And so why don't you uh, start the conversation with around the question of um, – Let's see, where is it? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> what brought you uh, to the project and talk about, you know, OB and the poetry that came from this wonderful collaboration? And and then you can share a poem. <laughs> that was three directors in one. I hope I remember them. Oh, Good that's morning, okay. everybody. It's, it's, what, it's what's in the email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And so, um, actually, you brought me to the project. Uh, you sent me an email, and I was, um, I was in like the 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 middle of, or just the yeah. I was I was dealing with a four stage cancer diagnosis, and my my uh, desire to go to Africa before I left here was. Um, on my heart And so I didn't know we were going to end up in Africa But that's as close as I could get to it Is to have an exchange with poetry I love poetry And so that saved my life actually And um, and continues to do so um, And so I thank you for that And um, that's how I got there And what was the next question? <laughs> um, 
And uh, oh, Obi. tell oh, who you Obi. paired with. Mm-hmm. I remember I told uh, Carla I, I didn't want no. Oh, I didn't want to, you know, to deal with old people. <laughs> <laughs> so Carla found the. Um, Wait, a, I had to uh, unmute my phone for that one, Mama Makita. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay, I'm going back on mute. Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she found that she found Obi for me in um, and he was in Cote d'Ivoire, which is different from everybody else. And um, and so I um, I I sent him uh, something. I, I think it was the first one was um, where I come from, and uh, and he sent something back to me. And um, he has been my son ever since, and um, we are close. I just spoke with him a few minutes ago. He's 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 in the middle of the flu, so he couldn't join us this morning. But he says to tell everybody hello. And um, um, I don't know. Just going, just going to Africa. You, as everybody knows, I came back that first time, but my spirit never did. And um, and so I try to live there for half of the part of the year now, and so uh, next time I go, it'll be my fourth time going, and uh, I'm hoping to stay for a year this next time. Um, I just recently had um, those cancer scans and the results back, and I'm fine to come back. So um, I'm waiting for the borders to open, and I'm gonna fly. Literally back uh, because that's home for me now. And so I'll share the poem on the home. And it, both of them are brief, so I'll share mine and Obi's if that's okay. Oh, yeah. I, that's went fine. To, I went home, home to people who love me just because I belong to them, home to roots and seven living generations, to trees that hold family secrets and past that warm bare from the coming and going of nine generations, home to Papa Earl's shotgun behind the door and the courting table he needs it serves the ninth generation, home to where a great aunt built upon the foundation and laid a future down a future for anyway, home to Selena. Uh, Sienna colored men and sometimes toothless women who stay until death do they part. Home to laughter and food and love that feeds the mind, body, and spirit. Home to women who sit on the porch in their slips and tell stories about the good old days and kinfolk called sugar do. Home to the spot where they hung Uncle Brady when he was only nine years old. Home to James and Tony and Sheila and Cousin Blue who calls me double cuz because slavery taught us painful things. Home to a church in the clearing, holding the lifted up voices of my ancestors, where we laid the heart of the other family to rest. I went home. And this is uh, uh, um, Obi's. I went home to remember who I was. Though my path on those crooked ways, through my path on those crooked ways and across the plain, I could smell the particular scent of the sweating plants and the soil pummeled by the sun and the rain. Through the wild landscapes, hiding physical and spiritual creatures with fierce muzzles and paws and claws, 
My path, I tread with uncertainty, led to my grandfather's cocoa plantation, where I hope to find answers about who I am and where I came from. I wish this old man faithful heir of my ancestors' legacy will help me find out where my fears arise. Why being far from my home makes me experience so much alienation. My home, a big old and my home is big old and pleasant, he said. Home of proud men, pure rivers. Excuse me. Sacred forest and legendary host. Beautiful heaven protected haven protected by its fierce soldiers and the spirits of its ghosts. His home is big, old, and pleasant, as he said, and now that I can finally say so, I see I don't need to know that much to feel his sweet warmth. Now that I have come in, I am able to feel the joy of it. It is surely worth it all. That's OB. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank um, you. So I continue to experience uh, the death that Africa is um, and want with all my heart to um, bridge the gap uh, between us through art economically. And uh, I love the Holocausta and all that it is and uh and WOA and the um the partnership that we have. And so I just say thank you to uh, the visionaries. Uh yeah. Carla, you and um you and Sir Black and everybody who's participated. And uh Amen. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, who wants to be next? I've got all these nice bios that are in the book <laughs> that I'm reading. Uh, uh, hey, Wanda, this is Tyrese. Um, I don't plan on reading, but I do plan on kind of big upping uh, the anthology and some um, moves we're making as far as continuing okay. the poetic exchange. Is that cool? Oh, that's cool. Let me let me read this bio that you all sent me. Okay. <laughs> uh, Therese Dean Brown is an MFA graduate with a degree in creative writing and poetry. Um, you are calling us from the deep Texas. south, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I went even I went even further south. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Therese says in her bio that she writes from an identity-focused lens, one that draws from her existence navigating in America as a black woman. As a dedicated educator, she now works as an English adjunct professor at Northern Virginia Community College, and she is working on her first book about the history of her hometown, Lynchburg, Virginia. That's the name, yes. Lynchburg, Virginia. Yeah, <laughs> she hopes right? to create spaces right. of learning, uh huh, and light that uplift the very topic she writes on, black identity. All right, go ahead, Tyrese. Tell us what you. Um, hey, hey, you hey, everybody. Hey, yes. and thank you, Mama Makita. That was 
that was moving as always. So, hey, everyone. Um, so what I want to share is I really want to call attention to the anthology, right? Not only do we have 26 poets in there, and as you can tell, they're all fire poets, right? They're going to move you with their words. But by buying this book, you are actually enhancing uh, the connection between the African diaspora. 50% of the proceeds go back to West, uh, Oakland's West Africa, um, and then 50% goes back to Ihalakasa. So that allows us the opportunity to invest in our community and create uh, exchanges for years and years to come. So even if some people are like, oh, I'm not really with poetry, I haven't bought a poetry book in forever, but have you donated to the culture, right? Do you feel like you want to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? Go on to Amazon, pay $14.95. I feel like it's a, a relatively small price to pay. Uh, to invest in the culture and the future of connecting the African diaspora. So please, please, uh, you know, go on Amazon, purchase a book, give us a review. You won't be disappointed. There's beautiful pictures, beautiful words, and again, uh, you are donating back to the culture that I believe in and love so much. Um, and my story with connecting with Rhoda Ross would be my, um, my desire uh, to heal from my also, right? And that's something, that's some, a verbiage that I actually picked up from you, Wanda, and my time in Oakland. I, growing up in Lynchburg, Virginia, I wasn't educated on ways to express that feeling of pain that I was going through, right, and how that connected back to, um, you know, my ancestors and the experience of my also. But coming to the Bay Area, people like you, Wanda, Carla, Mama Makita, um, Abishima, uh, me, everybody, they really uh, gave me the verbiage to express uh, some of the pain that I was feeling. And so when West Oakland's West Africa came about and we were actually touching on subjects that helped me express myself and release some of that pain and tension, and then we decided to go back to Ghana, right, the door of no return or the door of return, uh, I was like, I'm all in, you know, and I've been invested and dedicated to this mission since day one. Uh, I'm very appreciative to Sir Black. Um, and Carla and everybody that has really changed my life. My poet partner, Jewel, that's my homie. I don't know why he didn't call in, but we have some poetry. We've been exchanging poetry since this COVID-19 thing, uh, and our poetry is linked on our website. The website is easy to find. That's West Oakland to West Africa. Um, we also just did an interview with Sarah. Um, she's one of uh, our uh, poets. She is white, but she's a white ally, right? And so she expresses how she navigates being a white, white ally in a black-centered or Afro-centered space. So please go check out our website. The website links to the Amazon account. We can purchase the book. Again, we've got poetry on there. We've got more words of inspiration. We've got bios. We've got whatever you need to become more connected to West Oakland, to West Africa. So I know I talk fast, but I didn't take it too much time, but I hope everyone got that message and I love y'all. No? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for that, Tyler. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um I've got um I've got Cecilia on on my on my cell phone, but we haven't figured out so that she can hear hear us, but I think you might be able to hear her, but we're gonna um uh I'm gonna Go to another person while we we, we fine tune this. Um, so anyway, um, who wants to go next? I can go. This is uh, Adeshima. 
Again, okay. so good to, uh, <laughs> to have you all together. Um, and um, again, just very grateful for uh, this opportunity, grateful for, you know, Carla's vision, grateful for the platform here, uh, Wanda. Um, this is, as Tyrese was saying, there is so much inspiration uh, that has come from this uh, more than project. This is, this is a dream. This is, you know, a, a collaborative of family that has happened. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I can say at the time, it was actually Mama Kita that had uh, informed me about the collaborative and the meeting. And, uh, and it happened at a time where I was needing two things. Um, uh, I was really needing creativity and I was really needing community. And, and so Wodawa brought both of those. And, uh, and actually connection, if we want, actually want to say three. So community, connection, and creativity. I was needing all of those at that time in my life. And so Wawa was an answer to that. And all the creative uh, writing prompts, uh, definitely connecting with my writing par- partner, Brother Akambo. He uh, sends his regards. Uh, he had to run some errands uh, in Ghana, so I wasn't able to be on today, but, uh, but sending his, uh, his best. Um, and so just seeing how we, he and I connected, you know, uh, and, uh, and just how our, our poems really were, again, that continued stream really, uh, really was inspiring. And, and all of the, um, the, the family feeling that had really grown from all of us, uh, from our meetings and from our travel to Ghana, uh, inspired, um, inspired myself, inspired my, um, my, my now fiancé, to do something similar and to, to bring another group to Ghana. And we had done that at the end of 2019, crossing over into 2020, all a part of the year of return. And so, uh, so many folks got to connect to, uh, definitely connect to the motherland, connect to their roots and, uh, and feel that sense of family that I know um, I got to feel and that we got to feel with uh, West Oakland to West Africa poetry exchange and so I again just am, am so grateful for what has been um, inspired through this uh, this whole vision and uh, and you know knowing my life has been changed it's just as Tyrese was saying I have no doubt that all of our lives have changed because of this because of again a vision that uh, that Carla and uh, Sir Black had received I know it's a divine vision uh, because it is, it is continuing to unfurl and now that we have uh, the manifestation of, uh, of our anthology, our spirits carry our voices. We know that our voices will go even further. And, uh, and that, is, um, that is a deep joy that I, that I hold and, uh, and really carry deeply uh, within all of us and uh, for all of us. So really just grateful. Really grateful. Um, and I guess just the, the poem I'd like to leave us all with, uh, kind of bringing things together, is, is the poem that I have within the anthology. And it is Door of Return. And, um, and I speak to that title uh, as it relates to um, what so many uh, of our ancestors did go through, uh, a door of no return in many different countries, but particularly also in Ghana. Uh, so knowing that... Um, we all in our West Oakland to West Africa got to come back through the other side of that door, the door of return. Uh, this poem was inspired uh, by that and by uh, coming back to Ghana. And here it is. 
up, up, and away in a plane to dear Ghana. I am returning home again. Representing a land of oaks, I come to join my West African country folk. Eleven years ago, I came as a stranger, and now I come back as a family member. Brothers and sisters, mothers and misters, we are all now so familiar. I bring a gift of words that have not been heard, like sounds of a distant bird. West Oakland to West Africa is the journey I have traveled. With our group, cultural connections have unraveled. Friendships have grown, bonds have formed, in brotherhood, sisterhood, and sons we now call our own. We are not here in competition, but rather to share our composition through word, thought, opinion, and vision. This is an exchange to bring change to our hearts, minds, and souls. No matter young or old, shy or bold, we all have a story to be told. We are here. This is us. No matter if we've come by plane, train, or bus. Family is family. Love and acceptance. Mistake after mistake, we always have repented, not a jail sentence. We come from lives of loss and pain, joys and pain, learning again and again. Our ancestors guide and reach us in our hearts, even through life's toughest parts. Experiences add color to our living, much like an artist adds color to a painting. We are all artists, painting a perfect picture, weaving a delicate tapestry, creating a mosaic. But our art doesn't require us to display it. All it asks is for us to say Thank you, everyone. And uh, mm-hmm. so glad we could connect here. And uh, I love you all. Without a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, Mimi, wow, it's so great to have you on. Calling from Detroit. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, almost yeah. Detroit. I'm, I'm a little north of Detroit out in rural Michigan. But uh, my soul started in Detroit, so it's with me wherever I go. And uh, Tyrese texted me that D'Lo is in the house, and D'Lo is Detroit, Lynchburg, Oakland. That is uh, me, Tyrese, and Carla when we were out there trying to hustle ourselves as a poetry team on the scene in Oakland. Uh, and look what it turned into. I mean, uh, I'm, a, I'm a poetry partner and part of Woe to Wah. Uh, however, I did not go to Africa. Um, other things were in store for me, and it was just my honor and karmic delight to support this and be a part of helping Carla and Tyrese launch this. Uh, And it's just been extraordinary to interact with and meet people. I mean, I went to Mama Kita's 
sugar water retreat and made really beautiful friendships with people there. Um, and I I couldn't be more. I couldn't I couldn't stand in more awe of what this connection has offered people. I mean, Mama Kita, you are an inspiration, and your presence and what you are stepping through, and the health that you are embracing, uh, and the life that you are thriving in. I see so much of Wowa in that, and I'm happy to have been a part of it. Um, my poetry partner uh, and I had a really wonderful exchange, and one of the prompts that Carla gave us, as we did Rinch, uh, Raishi, uh, Carla, did you say Renshi or Raishi? I'm probably confusing it, you know. Um, it, it's Renshi. <laughs> Renshi, there's an end in it. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> one of the prompts that Carla gave us was about somebody accomplishing something that you didn't expect. And so uh, Ozzy is my partner. Ozzy was my partner, uh, Ozzy Adua, who uh, had a baby during the time we uh, we were working together. And the end of her poem... She paved the way, Dominique Folaru Otara. At the end of that poem uh, are the last, these last two. I'll just read the last stanza. This is from Ozzy. In six years, it's the fifth medical mission. After 15 years in blindness, for some children, it's their first time to see. Mm-hmm. And so I responded mm-hmm. in the rent with this blindness. It's their first time to see. Eyes colored and blind, shutters closed, hearts raining, thundering tear storm. Two locked arms carry a key to freedom. If they embrace left that invisible ventricle back in childhood. Chambers never searched for accustomed to which they weren't accustomed, dating dropped, mating lost. Children never came, baby rocking, some tree topping, for formula to reach no taste. Reflection missed, eyes never kissed, baby in rushes, lullaby reads, old tales true. Singing currents to milky welcome, shores, cranes, Wander round, whisper futures gone mute. Mm, nice. Thank you. I tended to write about menopause without calling it menopause. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it was an extraordinary feeling to actually feel my spirit and Ozzy's spirit holding and uh, sharing a connection through the Renshi and through Woe to Wa. So I, I remain eternally grateful and I'm really looking forward to being able to um, somehow conduct a reading and share these mm-hmm. books and sell these books with people. 
Mm-hmm. I work in higher ed um, at a university that has an international community. Maybe we'll be able to do something there. That sounds great. Yeah. What university? Central Michigan University. Right there in the middle of the state. Yeah. Yeah. And and are you teaching writing? Well, I'm not teaching writing. I have to hand it to uh, some of my cohort, like Tyrese, who's actually a professor. Um, I am in the um, the Office for Institutional Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, and I have a lot of writing samples from when I was freelance writing uh, in mm-hmm. diversity, equity, and inclusion, and so now I am a diversity communication specialist. I'm an administrator, uh, but I'm fortunately being uh, able to use my position as an administrator to some registered student organizations that are uplifting specifically Latinx visibility and pride uh, on a campus that needs to get with the program. Um, This ain't California, but there is a big population here, and uh, it's my old alma mater, and it's just the right place at the right time for me to be to help get them to recognize this very important demographic and group of students that need support. And I, I'm really amazed that I landed in such a right place at the right time. Hmm. Oh, Tyrese is applying yeah. for jobs like mine. She's texting me now. <laughs> I was trying to get the street so I didn't interrupt the radio. But... Uh, <laughs> English 111 and English 112 is very different from creative writing, right? And so I would, mm-hmm. I'm actually looking for positions very similar to the one that you have. So you know what they say, you know, the grass is always greener, but it's not. So, Tyrese, <laughs> uh, I want to tell you something. I got out of grad school with the, uh, yeah. an MFA, MFA in creative writing and poetry like you, my dear cohort sister, and Carla and our group. And after tutoring, uh, Wanda, this Mm -hmm. reflects not at all on the uh, Peralta Community College system, but I tutored (laughs) at Alameda, I tutored at Mills, and I decided I do not want to teach composition. I love Cynthia Steinberg. She taught us the most, but no, I'm not doing that with my creative capital. That's no. Yeah, yeah. We gotta talk more. Yeah. We gotta talk more. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. We sh- we should all talk more as I as I inch toward retirement. Um, good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Keep doing what yeah. you're doing, Wanda. I wrote one of the uh, finest stanzas I've ever written during uh, the. You had a you mm. had a a regular performance, a regular celebration, I think it was Black History Month at the library <coughs> in West Oakland. Do you know mm-hmm. what name what that what that event was? Uh, it was yeah. a celebration of African American poets and their poetry. Mhm. And that was you know, you do that every year. And I just was enjoying it. Carla and Tyrese came to read and I was in the audience and was so inspired while 
being in that environment that I wrote one of the best things I've written. And I just want to thank you and tell you that is your future. You're already living it, you know, where you're bringing poetry out of people and supporting poetry to be brought to people. So I just want to thank you, Wanda. And Carla. And Tyree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, Zakia. Yes. You and Mama Makita, Zakia, G.E. Capehart, um, you and uh, and Mama Makita were were roommates in in this wonderful hostel that – we uh, we stayed in um, when we got to Accra, and Accra, arriving in Accra was like so awesome. Uh, Helicasa with Sir Black and the and the brothers, they all met us with this cool bus. Mm-hmm. I think was the bus, yeah. And we just, you know, we just felt so embraced. And then they got our luggage and everything. Everything was so cool and smooth. Like none of the people that were not, you know, that were. Just sort of hanging out for people that didn't have, weren't being met. We we were being met. We were embraced, and then we Absolutely. you know headed on over to. Uh, that's so nice to have like transportation, right? Like you know we have our own <laughs> bus. You know, yes. I mean you know it didn't help that I fell in a hole when we got to that location. I think it was uh, I kept on falling in holes. You know, it was like so horrible Even falling in holes. I mean, they helped Mama Makita off, Makita off the bus, right? And then it's like, oh, Wanda, she can handle it. And I walk right into a hole. Like, That's a whole other story. But anyway, it was just like so cool to get met. And then we got to this really nice, um, uh, you know, hostel where that was like our our uh, ground central. And then we went to visit high schools. And then and then we had this poetry slam, which we will talk about later, where we won, like, yeah, by one point. Um, but hey, no, we won. No, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. Win. <laughs> we did not win. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, Zakia, talk about falling in holes and <laughs> and well, um, actually, and and sleeping in this really on... cool tent on the bed. You know, you and Mama Kita had it going on. Like you had these tents with a sleeping bag all connected, and you were like. In this thing, and like the mosquitoes, they couldn't get to you, right? <laughs> yeah, thanks to thanks to uh, yes, thanks to Makita, my my generous, glorious, wonderful roommate. Yes, because I didn't know how to pitch that, and she figured it out. She she did hers, and then she practically did mine also. So we did not get eaten by the mosquitoes, and that was so wonderful. Thank you again, Makita, <laughs> for that. Yeah, that was such a, a, a glorious experience. So I didn't want to talk about holes, actually. What I wanted to share is um, Greeted by a Rainbow, which is one of the assignments, our first assignment that we received from our fearless leader, Paula. Greeted by a rainbow, I come from a place where greeting is paramount, a place where the moon appears full each night, a place where the darkness highlights zillions of stars that kiss the sky and brighten our path through thickness in the woods at the midnight hour, a place where the doors are never locked, even as you sleep. A place where dewdrops halt on the first note the songbird sings. A place where port swings 
sing a lullaby to passers-by, a place where summer breezes soothe your sneezes, a place where neighbors talk and children walk to play in the early morning sun, greeted by a rainbow. I come from a place where sunlight, moonlight, and starlight is etched on the faces of the people and shown throughout the universe. I come from a place where pyramids are erected at the infos of the cerebrum, cerebellum, and medulla. I come from a place where experiencing bitter, hot, sour, and sweet are precursors to life's journey. I come from a place where greeting is a way of life. It begins and never ends. I'd like to say also that, um, that I am so thankful to be part of this project, and that was a reading from our anthology, Our Spirits Carry Our Voices. And thank you, Carla. Thank you, Sir Black. Thank you, all the poets in Wotawa and Alakasa, for the experiences that we were able to have. And I have been trying to get to the motherland for so long. And so that was a trip to be remembered forever. And I shall. And I'm planning to return, of course. So I'd like to say also that I, um, I am so thankful for the offshoots that have come from this experience, the, the experience that we had by coming together as poets and traveling to the motherland. So other poets, uh, um, like I am publishing my book, is entitled Ghana O Ghana, um, as I have been inspired by my experience and I know Mama Makita is also uh, writing her book. And so that is such a wonderful thing that has come about, uh, our experiences. I'm sure that Tyrese and uh, Adeshima, Simi, everyone is probably um, gearing up for their uh, book also. So thank you for that. And I'd like to just share a very short ending poem, which is the title of my book entitled Ghana, O Ghana, which talks about my experience traveling on the plains, traveling by air across the sea, journey of a lifetime finally coming to be, land of my ancestors, history awaits, unveiling roots, opening wounds where scars are left to heal. Weaving spirits and touching souls, Ghana, oh Ghana, constantly on my mind. When I arrive, what do I hope to find? Will you be there, waiting to welcome and receive me with embracing arms? Will I feel your love running through me until my cup runneth over? Here I sit, staring out at clouds. Silently praying, Ghana, oh Ghana, your distant, disconnected family is now returning home 
to a country once thought of as the land of no return. Wanda, I thank you for this opportunity for all of us. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Zakia. Mm-hmm. Um, did everyone get a chance to um, to talk about their experience? I think so. Um, and I was wondering, Tyrese, why did why didn't you want um, to share a poem? Isn't Matia Vidia on there? I'm worried about our Ghana partners. Have we heard from Crystal? Is she on the line? Or um... So, Crystal, I messaged her on Instagram. She's in a meeting at this time. Okay. Um, and that's just, Cecilia or um, Mariska? Oh, Sir Black? She's still at Apology that she couldn't join because of some emergency. Yeah, I'm I'm in touch with Cecilia and Mariska and um they um yeah, I couldn't well they you couldn't hear they couldn't hear us on speaker. Mm-hmm. And and um I kept on well, I I actually lost the connection when I put myself on speaker. It's just too much um trying to work all that from you know, for me having to work all that. And so what I thought, we could just send them money to be able to just call in um, or someone could call them on a regular phone because, you know, if you, have a, if you have a card where you can call overseas, which I do, but I can't do that while I'm doing this. But, but there's ways to do it. Um, we just have to do it again. So we'll have another, yeah. another yeah. book party, and, you know, we'll just you, we need some more time to get it together. Um, and people just have to commit to calling somebody with a phone, and then you could do three-way. You just can't do three-way with with um, uh, WhatsApp. WhatsApp is not capable of that. I was told. I think you you told me that, Makita. I think in a text. Um, so anyway, yeah. So they were we were we were we were texting back and forth, and and then I tried it, and it didn't work. So they were here. And 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 now they're not, <laughs> but they send their regards. And uh, I actually had three, no, I had four poet partners. I had um, uh, Mariska Araba Taylor Darko, who actually is in the anthology, and and Cecilia um, Sefa, who is not, and George, who is not, and another really Ooh. wonderful poet. Um, he was my first. Um, partner and I don't remember his name, but wow, he was like he breathed poetry. Like everything he said was lyrical. He was like phenomenal. Um, and I don't remember his name. So Black, do you remember his name? Um, Carla, do you remember his name? He was really awesome. Who? Uh, my poet partner, my first one that I had. Um, he, oh, um, that was George. Uh, George is in um, Cote d'Ivoire. No, not George. No, 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 not George. It was before George. George was my my third, no, my second or third partner. Cecilia is my fourth. <laughs> no, he was my he was my first partner, and and he needed to to respond via <laughs> Facebook um, because his internet was not stable. But anyway, he was fabulous. Um, but it it didn't continue, 
So anyway, I I had like I think I had the most poet partners out of everybody, and you know two men, two women. It was really cool. <laughs> You're lucky. And You're lucky. <laughs> yeah, I think I am. I think I am. Um, and uh, and so I want to share. Um, the poem that Mariska and I I did, and it's in um, the the uh, the chat book I am from. We had like a chat book. We had some iterations of the anthology before it became what it is, um, and it includes um, stories as well as poems. So you can actually experience the journey vicariously. I don't know if Ade has anything in there about missing the flight um, from San Francisco to Ghana, and he came a little bit later. And I know he wrote some poems because he was he was texting us poems as he was waiting <laughs> uh, to join mm-hmm. us, and that was pretty cool um, to make to make uh, you know to take this as a take it as a writing opportunity. Um, so anyway, uh, the anthology is definitely um, something that is worth treasuring, and our audience, you know, you should definitely get a copy of it. Um, so this particular piece is called "I Lost You." And and in the Renshi format, um, there's a line. Her last line is supposed to be the first line in my poem, but it's actually the third line. And the poem is called, I Lost You. I wait for an answer, not from you, but from God. Your body was brought to me, wrapped in a white shroud, the scars and scratches still raw, as though you had been struck with a claw. That was the day my heart died. On my knees, I screamed to God. Pain racked my body as I clung to my own self. Arms wrapped around me, rocking me tenderly. Why, oh why, I cried out to God. Give me an answer. Do you not know everything? I lost you just like that. Now I wander around like a lost soul, searching for my love. So listen for that in this poem. This is my my poem. A freed woman. He lived in the syllables between particles of sand stuck in my toes. Now I wander around like a lost soul searching for a love better forgotten. Waterfall drenched, no room for any others. We fit perfectly until I slipped off the rock. Tumbling, there was no one to catch me. Pain is all I remember when I think about it. So those are the two poems that I'm going to share. So um, in our final moments, if you all have a little more time, um, would you like to talk some more about, you know, because we actually toured Ghana. We didn't just stay in Accra. We went a whole lot of places. And and then I I hear, because I I had left for Nigeria a little bit earlier before the final day, that you all planted um, a tree. And that was an adventure within itself. Who one of you all want to talk about, you know, some of these excursions that we went on um, to to learn more about this wonderful country that had a 400 years of return last year? Um, I can start, and then other people can um, add. I know that um, I'd like Sir Black to talk about his cultural center because, the funds we're raising are going to a cultural center um, that they are building in a palm, which focuses on youth. Uh, we were able to visit that center. It's on the beach. It's very beautiful, but it's unfinished. Um, and we were able to also go um, all the way 
to Elmina and see the dungeons where um and the door of no return where um in enslaved Africans were departing from the coast of West Africa to come to the Americas. So we, we really did see a lot of beautiful things. Um, you want to talk a little bit about your project for Black? Yeah, thank you, Carla. So we have this space in a palm called Hadwa Art and Culture Institute, which is a space we want to use for a gathering of artists from Africa and also the rest of the world. It will be a center where we have people come to first give out and workshops and uh, seminars. But uh, since it hasn't been officially done since, we're still looking forward to get funding to finish the space. We started some two spaces, which are still updated, and we need to do video. And besides the studio, we also need a workshop. On for funding and we launch a campaign for support and it's also online so we can anyone can go online to check on our site and be able to send your support. Yeah. So so Carla, um could you give us the website for um the cultural center um or Halakasa so that people can um you know send send support, monetary support? to complete it. Do you have a, um, can you send that website, Sir Black? Can you share that? Okay, okay, I can do that. I think um, it's www.hardware.org. Okay, hardware.org. Can you spell that? Thank you. Could you say it again, um, Carla? H what? Because um, Sir Black sounds yeah. Sir Black sounds really far away. Yeah, H A D U W A dot org. Hadwa dot org. Okay, cool. All right, super. Thank you. Could you do it one more time, Carla? Sure. Um, there's two websites, actually. There's our website, westoaklandtowestafrica.org, mm-hmm. and then there's Hadua, H-A-D-U-W-A.org, and you can get can information you send that? on it. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Does anyone else want to share um, any experiences that they had um, in the traveling um, or another poem um, as we wrap? You know, I, I, I have something to share. And um, that's just, um, you know, in the traveling back and forth um, and the desire to just be there, uh I have found that there's so much that we have in common and so much that we have to teach each other. And I am hoping that um that we'll have more opportunity to, to do that either by a, another trip or 
on on this phone or whatever way we can do that because we have um become family. And uh and I also want to introduce well since I'm talking uh something that that have gathered a few women together for um um uh, the purpose of uh, economic development for women. Uh, mm. And the title is Ohima. And I just want to be able to, uh, Africa is so beautiful and, and, and rich, and we are too. And um, there are some ways that we can impact them and ways that they can impact us that will or bind us together even more and help us to grow as one Africa. And um, and I'll be talking to you guys more about that later, but um, I want to thank Sir Black uh, personally um, for how they have embraced me uh, as a um, as a member of, the, of their family, Ihalakasa, and um, – and for making me feel safe while I'm there. Uh, and I don't mean that I didn't feel safe in the beginning. It's the safest. But just as a woman there alone and and, and not always totally healthy, uh, I always knew I had somewhere to call or somebody to help me. And I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, I just I just want to share that part, is that, <laughs> that we really are family, and I appreciate it. And it does live within us. Yeah, and 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 you know, and and the and the part that Wola plays, um, uh, in terms of um, lifting, they're always like uh, Zakia wrote, always on my mind, and um, I think that's true for Wola too. We love Ihalakasa, and I'm just hoping that we can find other ways to um, to 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 bind ourselves together. Especially now, mm-hmm. and, and 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 black as soon as the borders open, <laughs> leave me at the airport. <laughs> I, I can't um, wait to well, get <laughs> to get back Wanda, there. So anyway, yes. I would like to end um, by reading off the names of all the people in the anthology, um, like a mm. roll call. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah, that would be fine. But before you do that, um, I just wanted to mention, because no one is talking about the different places we went, um, I thought that the itinerary was really well uh, well articulated. And, um, um, you know, with the place we went in Accra, um, and specifically around the Boys Center and going to the consulate, you know, Carla, where <clears throat> we met Americans that are in, uh, you know, in in Ghana, you know, stationed there, and that was really really interesting. And you know, going to the canopy um, for those that went there, um, um, and again, you know, One Africa, you know, in um, <clears throat> in Elmina Village, you know, with um, with uh, Sister um, um, Imacus, and and then um, you know I seen Monso, you know where there was the Slave River, and as well as the bringing together of Africans in the diaspora. You know we saw Africans, mm-hmm. you know our heroes, you know like you know Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman and and Frederick mm-hmm. Douglass, and that wall where people wrote their names, 
you know, for for folks to come and then the films and yeah, it just you know all of that. It was you know sort of really, it was it wasn't a tourist uh, trip. I mean, you know, it was really a way to sort of like re- have your bones remember the journey, you know, that we hadn't that our ancestors had come through, kept procession through, you know, in during the Ma'afa. So I just wanted to mention that since no one has. Because um, I think that's really important, and that is why, you know, it, you know, sort of like it resonates like it does for those of us that um, made it into the book and those that didn't make it into the book, but who participated in the project, which is more than a project. You know, Mama Makita's, you know, repatriation is is evidence of that. So I just wanted to just do that, say that. And also I wanted to ask uh, Sir Black if he could talk a little bit more about the Du Bois Center and uh, and that that monthly slam that they host um, and that particular experience, you know. How was it for for you, Sir Black, having us come there? You know, you knew Carla, but you didn't know us. How was that, you know, sort of all these Americans just converging, you know, on a cry? <laughs> In, into your home, you know, and just like vibing, like when we, you know, it was pouring rain, and we all met, you know, at the um, um, at the hostel, and it was like pouring, pouring, and people came, like we were there, but you all had to travel through the rain, like coming in all drenched and wet and dripping and stuff, you know, <laughs> just to like meet us. It was just like awesome. For us, it was fun. Yeah, I'm saying for us, it was fun having uh, the whole team coming from West Oakland to Accra. And for my guys, I think some of them have not also had uh, that change with uh, outside uh, poets before. So it was good. Mm -hmm. It was also the kind of connection that they can say, oh, it was just like doing something, and then it has become reality. So, and the fun part was the slam part where we have to do it. It was not on a very level, but also on a friendly level, even though we still need uh, someone to win. And the idea that uh, we did not have a prize money, which actually also made us understand how friendly it is. And the prize was actually a coconut palm. Mm-hmm. Coconut, the mm-hmm. palm tree, a seed of coconut that we went to plant on a palm, which was really good. And it's, the tree is growing, so those who are to come later in years tend to see the tree. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think it was fun. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank you. So, um, anyone have any more comments before Carla does a roll call? Okay, Carla, I think you can take it away. (laughs) Okay, so once again, our book is called Our Spirits Carry Our Voices, and it's available on Amazon, and it features new works by Emmanuel Acambo, Nora Nora Adioho, who is Digi or Dadzi Corsiave, Radia Ayobami, Sarah Beal, Wildflower Brashear, 
Tyrese Brown, Zakia Capehart, Carla Brundage, Ozzy Edua, Noemi Rose Gonzalez Barrias, Siamara, Jewel King Speaks, Joseph, Chief Corgan, I, AKA Wordwright, Makita, Natty Ugly, um, OB, Zia Fua, Marcus Lorenzo Penn, AKA Adashima, Wanda Sabir, Marissa Taylor Darko, Crystal Tete, Catherine Waddell Takara, Imani Todd, Tamaris Usher, and Sir Black. So uh, sorry about the pronunciation. I'll get better at that. But it's a great lineup of amazing poets, spoken word, and written poetry. And I hope you can check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. And, again, we'll have to do it again because this is a, a pre-National Poetry Month program. And so we'll do something in April. And we'll iron out all the mm-hmm. kinks so that our audience can hear directly from our poet partners um, who are available to join us. So we're going to iron the kinks out, no problem. But this was really, really wonderful to get together um, in this other uh, way, you know, um, to to talk about this great work and, uh, yeah, and to share share some of the uh, the work from it. Thank you, Juan. Thank you, Wanda. It's been really beautiful being on the radio show, and this is really the first time we've all been together since the COVID-19, and even just a long time we haven't been together. So I just want to thank you so much for hosting us mm-hmm. and for bringing all these beautiful people into the circle. You really did um, play a key role in the forming of Wodawa by introducing to me to so many wonderful people and inspiring me since I've been in Oakland, which was a long time ago. So thank you, my partner in crime friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. We we have we have many badges we share together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've done a whole lot together, um, from, you know, the the book on, you know, sort of um that was a fundraiser for, you know, those in the Gulf after Hurricane Katrina, you know, and the first poetic protest um, you know, for um uh for Maafa, you know, two thousand five Hurricane Katrina, you know, to other other things we've done to now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been great. I mean I really appreciate you as my friend, Carla, and uh yeah, and yeah, it continues. It continues. The circle gets bigger and all of you all are family. You know, we're all family now. So it's just like so cool. So wonderful. So, family, um, again, thank you so much. And, you know, we'll definitely get together again. And um, in the meantime, um, we we are always in touch, you know, um, texting and emailing and calling, et cetera. Since, you know, now we have to do this physical distancing, it's not a spiritual or emotional or intellectual distancing at all. You know, that part still continues Mm -hmm. that we are together. Yeah. So it sounds like we need another poem or something because nobody wants to leave. Um, so, um, <laughs> Mama Makita, you wanna you wanna do one of your like poems? Um, yeah, one of your your classics. <laughs> 
Anybody else want to throw down a classic? Um, Carly, you've got I, I some do classics. have one I want to. I, I, I will. And, <laughs> I and I want to say too. while I'm looking for it that um, Radia was on the line as well, but she, oh, she got cut oh. off. Oh. Um, and I oh. just wanted to um, acknowledge that her presence was, was with us. Uh, this this, okay. uh, this poem is um is not um, finished. Well, maybe it is, and I just don't know it. But um, <laughs> I don't really is that have the a one name you read for me, Matino? Pardon me. Is that the one you read me? Who who who's, who's Is that talking? the one that? Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to hear um, it again. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, okay. We are the children born for the revolution, the ones who burned flags, marijuana, and crack. We believed in white Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and the red, white, and blue stars and stripes lie. The ones who placed their hands over their hearts every morning for 12 years in the schoolyard and pledged allegiance to a flag that did not wave for us, our black daddies, or our light-skinned mamas. We are the fruit of those who were born in number 10 tubs who couldn't read no fairy tales or bedtime stories, so they moaned and rocked and prayed and sang and sent their children to school. And this story been hanging on a rusty nail in the corner of my mind just rotting away, stories the old folks told and lived about lynching and fear and freedom and burning crosses in one nation under God. And it's about the baby girl who ran off and had a baby and how one morning she woke up and he was gone and now they call her crazy. And it's for him, too, because he don't know nothing about love, truth, or staying. So he curls up in a fetal position and sleeps under a concrete bridge that displays the fuck you message of the day. Fear has made him a slave. He stands on the corner with a bottle waiting for freedom to ring. Hands and feet chained to the so-called American dream and one nation under God fantasies. Head filled with stories about the second coming. Hating on himself and his woman. Passing the time, spitting fire and slinging beats that make the children hate their mama. Some are tithing and praying with all their hearts and they are waiting. Waiting for a miracle the kind where young men hang from crosses and part seas and build boats that take them away to the new world or a promised land. But the boat never comes, and they sleep for a lifetime, and when they die, they stay dead. And the women, the givers of life, who cry in the night and conceive babies on gin and juice and hope that maybe this time he'll stay about the parents who died on the battlefield of drug wars or are held captive in a cell where they are invisible and where there is no liberty and justice for all. This is Revelations. This is the beginning of a story. The ink on the empty page will flow like blood. There will be resurrection and transformation, and the mind will wake up and live in truth and love, and we will tell the children that they are the light of the world. This is not a poem. It's a movement. Hmm. Okay, mm. nice. Nice. Yes, mm. it's finished. Published. Yeah, I'm finished. <laughs> is it finished? Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you for, for allowing me to share that. So um, is that it, everybody? Yes. 
If folks are that in the house. That was beautiful, Mama Makita. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think I, that'd be a nice know, note. My to, prayer uh, that as we go through this um, mm-hmm. uh, this time, that we all know that um, that Africa is rising. I am so proud of Africa. That Africa is mm-hmm. rising, and that we will get through this part. And um, mm-hmm. and and some of us might not be here for that. I don't know, but all I know is that um, everything is as it should be, and. Um, and, and love will win. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And I'm going to close out with a really wonderful um, uh, song um, called IA Africa, mm-hmm. and it's by uh, this group Roots 2000 out of uh, Johannesburg. And uh, with that, thank you again so much for joining us, and um, I'm looking forward to the next conversation. You all stay well. Peace and blessings. Thank, Thank you, Wanda. Thank you, Wanda. Thank you, Wanda. Keep the movement going. You're welcome. Uh-huh. Take care, everyone. Love you all. Mm-hmm. Love you too. Bye.